0: Welcome, everyone, Cajun Theory with Danny Castlem, of course, alongside me, Spencer Byers. Sadly, we didn't bring you the Canada game this morning at 4.45 sharp this morning, and here's why. I have an explanation. So, Polar Office should have came out yesterday, as of September 7th, which should have been a Thursday. Yes, it would have been. It didn't go out Thursday. Why didn't it go out Thursday, Spencer? Well, I'll, I'll tell you. My Wi-Fi went out at about 10 o'clock. Thursday morning and how do I know when at about 10 o'clock Thursday morning? I went to bed at nine a.m after being up half the night and woke up at 11 o'clock as Cage and I agreed to record around noon. and between nine when I fell asleep and 11 when I woke up, the Wi-Fi had died in my apartment in my house, including my neighbors who were asked who asked my landlord who lives upstairs if they could use our Wi-Fi, my Wi-Fi, so they could do some projects for for school they've come here for for university or college i think university anyway but to continue my story i said our wi-fi is also out so sadly i have nothing to give them and it was out all day thursday all day yesterday and was out half of the night last night until 4:40. In the morning, so five minutes before Canada stepped on the floor to play Serbia, my Wi-Fi turned back on, so I didn't have to waste data watching the Canada vs. Serbia game, which was nice, Cajun. My 30 gigs not need to get wasted all in one shoot. But that is why we did not record the Canada vs. Serbia game together. That is why there was no polar opposites on Thursday, yesterday. But they're now getting mishmashed together, and as long as Cajun and I can agree at waking up at 4:40 for the Canada vs. United States game, we will do that. Mm -hmm. So, without bearing any more leads, Cajun, Canada did lose today against Serbia, 95-86, in a game that Canada never really was close in. You felt like they could always make a run at that lead, Cajun, but they never really did. And then, as I also said, Canada expected to play the Americans in the gold medal game. Well, they still got the Americans, but they're in the bronze medal game. The Germans beat the Americans to make their first ever World Cup final and they come out winners and I'm trying to quickly find the score cage and I believe it was one 13 11 I watched one, that I actually one, watched that game. 113-11, you're right in favor of the Germans who again make their first ever World Cup final. They take on Team Serbia at 830 on Sunday. The Canadians will play the Americans, and I believe it again is 4.45 in in the Philippines, in Manila. Here, of course, 4.45 is Eastern Standard Time here in Ontario, so a little earlier, a little bit farther west as you go. But Cajun, mm-hmm. starting off with those Canadians, what did you make of the performance against Serbia in the 95-86 loss? Because I watched it live. I think you watched it post and then watched the American game right after. So what did you make of the Canadian performance?
1: In terms of NBA terms, it kind of reminded me of the Lakers Nuggets series, the Western Conference Finals. One team knows, has that chemistry and knows what it takes to win at the FIBA level on a consistent basis. The other team is trying to figure things out. I feel like that's how it was with Serbia and Canada. Serbia's got a FIBA structure in place. And Canada's still trying to figure things out, and I think foul trouble was a big foul trouble was a big key, especially with SGA. He wasn't himself, especially after getting three fouls in the first half. Kind of felt like he was playing pass. was playing a little bit passive, especially on the defensive end. And then they took advantage of, him, and they took advantage of, and they took advantage of him on the defensive end, and literally, basically dared. Everybody else other than and Serbia basically dared everybody else other than Shay to beat them, and it worked. you you also got to go back to where this program is where, where this program was, where this Canadian program was, and how far it's come in such a short amount of time. mind you, now now I know you meant I know you mentioned like, they were getting killed they they were getting killed on the inside where was Zach Eady? I had the same question too like where was Edie when you need it and like you you could use him for spurts especially since this isn't an NBA game you can you can like he can be used as a positive in the FIBA game
0: you can use uh, as an anchor just as an anchor cage I'm not even saying use him you know a, a, as a guy who needs to move a lot use him as an anchor just say Zach Stay in these four spots. Don't go anywhere from these four spots. Or dump,
1: or even on offense, dump it inside. Dump, dump it inside to him because he he went. He he's gone eight for eight in this tournament. We also got to we also got to realize this. Yes, we all love, we're all watching it and say these are the adjustments that got to be made. Jordy Fernandez has not been the coach of that team for that long. And and I think in in some sort of sense, coming in, coming into this tournament, we all thought of, like, okay, we want to move on from the group. Canada's got to move on from its group. But I don't think anybody expected something like this at the end of it all. So it's still a – the fact that we're talking about Canada – Blowing what should have been a winnable game and not playing to, to how they should be is a testament of how far this program has come. Now, with that being said, they were... and I don't want to say anything about the refs, but the fact that Canada was in foul trouble early on, not only with Dylan, not only with Dylan Brooks, because Dylan Brooks has hold the line of foul trouble but more importantly sga getting into foul trouble because i think i heard this in the broadcast in the first half in the four minutes that he was on the bench canada was a minus 10 and then that really didn't play that much of a factor in the first half because the third quarter they did make a little bit of a run but they just couldn't keep up, but defensively, they just they just couldn't keep up. Serbia could get anything that they want at will. And that's a and that comes down to FIBA experience. Serbia's been in these types of situations. For Canada, this is the first time they've they've been in a FIBA World Cup semifinal, and it showed.
0: And I also don't want to mention the referees, but I, I will say that Canada got in very early foul trouble. And not only SGA, who you said minus 10, I can tell you the moment he stepped off the floor with the second foul, before he even got the third one, That can't when they went nine guys deep on the bench, that they were a completely different Canadian team. And you could just tell it. I believe they turned the ball over two or three times straight on the possessions, and they just did not look anywhere near as potent on offense. with obviously, gotta... sorry, go on. I was just gonna finish with obviously without having your best player on the floor in SGA.
1: But at the same time, you gotta give credit to Serbia, because we were talking about Bogdan Bogdanovic, but it wasn't just him. But it wasn't just him that made a big impact. Um. Their backup point guard, Alexa uh, 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 Brav- and at the start of the fourth quarter, when Canada is on, is trying to make that run, pickpockets SGA at half court and goes all the way in for a dunk. Sets the entire tone for that fourth quarter. Dobridge. He had 16 points. He had 16 points and hit some big shots down the stretch. Nikola Mladenov. I want to say it's Maludinov. 16 points and 10 rebounds. Took advantage of, um, took advantage on the inside. Held his own against Jonas Valanciunas in the quarterfinals against Lithuania. And had his way in the paint. And had his way in the paint. And not only had his way in the paint, but showed an impressive touch and footwork, too. Against the undersized Canadian frontcourt. So... This is a Serbian team even without the two-time NBA MVP Nikola Jokic. This is still a hell of a squad and they each got each each man has their role and they execute it to perfection and, and it's something Canada has to strive for in the in the coming in the years to come and It's just, this is just a learn and this is just a learning this is just a learning experience. Canada wants to get to that point where Serbia is. And I think they got and they got a taste of humble pie.
0: I don't disagree with you there because again, Canada wasn't really close for the entire game. And again, for me, it always felt like Canada could go on that big run. But defensively, I just don't think they were good enough against Serbia, in my opinion. I thought defensively there were a lot of easy baskets, especially in the post, which is, again, where I would have wanted to see Zach Eady. I will continue to pound the table that I want to see Zach Eady. I will buy a Canadian jersey that has Eadie on the back of it, if that's what it takes to get him on the floor, Cajun. But, you know, without getting that far over, you know, I know Powell went down with some sort of injury with his back and was out for extended periods. I believe Olinnick had foul trouble. We all know Dylan Brooks had foul trouble as he's had this entire tournament. SGA for the first time had foul trouble, which really costed the uh, tr- uh, Canadian offense. But RJ Barrett looked great again. Yep. You know, let's, I'm going to try to bring out some positives here as much as, again, I do want to harp on some of the negatives of where was my guy Zach Eadie, where was the Purdue legend Zach Eadie. But, you know, RJ Barrett looked great. Dylan Brooks, when he was not in foul trouble on the bench, he looked was great really too. good again. You know, Lou Dort, also in foul trouble. And I got to be honest, Cage, and again, this is, we're not going to talk about the referees, but I feel so bad for Lou Dort. Like, sometimes I just watch him play and I'm like, I don't, you know, I don't know if people notice how hard he works because of the whistle. Yeah. Like, did you see the second foul he got, the block he got from under the basket? Did you see mm. that one? Do you remember I it? It's did. vivid in my memory, Cage. Now, for you, if you did not watch the game, just for four quick close captioning Lou Dort watches a guy drive down the baseline. He's under the basket, can't lay it in, so he's going to have to pass it. Guy jumps, or the guy's trying to go around Lou. Lou jumps because he thinks he's going to try to go around him and lay it in. So Lou jumps straight in the air, straight up and down, inside his cylinder. The guy bumps him and airmails it. I think it was Bogdanovich. Airmails it was his Bogdanovich. Pass. Was, was it Bogdanovich? It was Bogdanovich. And he airmails his pass, cage. 30 feet, nine rows up, through this thing like an Aaron Judge home run, okay? Through this thing up high, Okay. You know he's like the Martian. You know J- Jason Dominguez putting that thing in the seats. All right, and they call Lou they call Lou Dort on a block. And Cage, I, I, what do you tell Lou Dort as a coach? What do you tell him? Other than great job, do that again next time. Cause what else could he have done? He couldn't have done anything. Like he he jumped to block a shot. He was inside his cylinder. He didn't move his arm. He didn't bend his leg at him. Bogdanovich made contact with him while he was in the air. How is that Lou's fault? Like, if Lou would have kicked him or if Lou would have threw out his foot, then I would have understood. Okay, you know what? That's fair at the block. But Lou didn't even do that. He hit Dort. So I, I don't understand. And that's that's one. And there's a couple others that I don't remember that. I will be honest, as a Canadian fan, I felt like we're soft. But the reason why I feel like they were soft is consistency. Because against Brazil, you had to shoot somebody to get a foul. Against Spain, they well, let some roughhousing get away with it. Um, against Slovenia, <laughs> they let some roughhousing get away with it. it began against this game, it felt this, this game felt like it got roughed a little bit differently against Serbia. And I'm not saying that went in favor of Canada. It went in favor of Serbia. I feel like Serbia also was, unha- was unhappy with certain things that went against them that were kind of soft. But, but consist- I feel like this game was softer than the games previous, which is why as a Canadian team, I'm a little upset about it because they were inconsistent throughout this tournament. Because every other game, you felt like it was it, they were letting you get away with some stuff. And you knew what they are letting you get get away with it, right? Mm-hmm. And then this game, all of a sudden, what wasn't a foul is a foul. And now SGA's got three fouls and ten minutes of play.
1: Yeah. And As badly as Canada played on the defensive side of the floor, you have to wonder: Was the whistle early on? Did the whistle early on influence the defense? Influence the defense because now you can't really play as a your brand of defense as you want because of that foul trouble itself. Now I don't want to. I'm going to stop short of blaming the refs. But it also makes you— But that does play an influential factor.
0: Well, and, and again, but we've also stated that the Canadians did a lot of other things wrong. They played bad defense, regardless of the foul trouble. You know, that they, they played bad defense. They were not good enough defensively. Mm-hmm. They didn't have enough— they, they didn't have a whole lot of bite offensively without SGA on the floor. That was blatantly obvious. Yep. Canada never felt like they really— As much as like, I've said that, and I truly believe that Canada— I felt like always had a chance to win that game. The reality is they never were close. Like, they never were close. The closest they got were 0-0. Zero, zero.
1: It is the reality. I think they were down 5 in, like, the third quarter, but that was as
0: close as they got. They made one good run, and then went back down by 13. Yep. Like, you know? So, the, the reality is, is do I wish the referees had been what they have been this whole tournament? Yes. But do, what Am I going to look at them and say they're the reason why Canada's not the gold better game right now? No, of course not. Jesus. Dear Lord. No. The Canadians need to play way better defense. The Canadians needed to be better with SGA off the floor. They needed, you know, to be able to attack the bigs better and be able to stop stop the bigs better offensively and defensively. You know, like, there's a lot of things this Canadian team has not done well this entire tournament. And just because teams are exploiting it— I. I don't not gonna try to blame the referees for that. Like I, I'm I'm not. Like you and I've been saying since the first game we watched, which was against Brazil, which was ironically a loss. You know that they're bad in the post. They get eaten alive by big men. They can't seem to score inside the post. Like that's been a problem this whole tournament. Just because we're playing to get, just because they're playing against the best teams in this tournament that have seven footers who can shoot can pass, can rebound. Doesn't change the fact that that's still been a weakness this whole tournament. It's just now starting to bite them. Yep. And now they've got arguably talent-based, the most talented team in the whole tournament, the Americans. And yes, they lost Germany by two points. And yes, they lost a game before this to Lithuania. Absolutely. But I'd say if you play per player, who has the best team? I think it's the Americans. I don't necessarily think it's close. But I don't think they play as a team. and That's another difference. And that's something I wish North Americans did that Europeans do. Is It always feels like when European teams come to tournaments like this, like the World Juniors, like the World Championships of Hockey, like, like the World Baseball Classic, the non-North American teams play as an actual team. They're more patriotic. The North American teams play as individuals, and it is why you will almost always see, unless the North American teams are over talented, they're not going to win. Because the other teams actually play for each other and do all the things you're taught at eight years old. That if you're any good, you don't get told because you're eight years old and you're the best player on the team, and the coach wants you to play for your team, wants you to play for his team because he wants to win. Because who doesn't mm-hmm. want to win? So instead of saying, hey, instead of you hitting that home run, how about you hit a double and Johnny behind you will hit a double and we'll keep doing that until we score all the runs we need. And they're trying to get all in one, one shot. Like, it, you know, guys don't like playing support roles in North America. Guys over in Europe understand that not everybody can play, not everybody can start. So one of us is going to sit on the bench. One of us got to come off the bench and, and be a spark plug. I'm OK being that guy. Here, not really a thing, Cage. Not really not really a glamorized thing. It's mm-hmm. more of a more of a a burden than anything else. Yep. But, you know, in spite of that, I did say some positives. RJ Barrett had a great day. Brooks, again, really good for Team Canada. We'll see if those two guys can bring this into their NBA seasons. Yep. Um I I thought, you know, Jordan Fernandez finally letting me see Zach E. D was nice. I wish I saw him longer, but it was nice to finally see him. I did feel bad for him when he got subbed in for their big guy, which you mentioned his name. I'm not even gonna try to pronounce it because you couldn't. If you can, I'm done. Maluninov. Yeah, exactly. And um when he came in for him, they immediately subbed him out. So then Edie was stuck out there. <laughs> Because they tried to, they, what, what Jordy fans tried to do after they subbed, Serbia subbed their big guy out, was Canada tried to resub Edie out, because a second hand run off the clock yet, they couldn't. So they had to wait a possession. And Edie still did a good job on the perimeter. Like Edie got switched on to a guard, which is exactly what the Serbians would have wanted, and they attacked him. The guy took a step back three. Edie got a hand up, and the kid missed, I'm pretty sure.
1: I think, no, I don't think that's what happened. I think it was like a foul, fa- like he drove on him and then. Nikhil Alexander Walker fouled him. We is, is that what happened?
0: Yeah. I remember Big Zach Eadie putting up a hand. Actually, no, you're right. I remember because he did foul him, and I remember seeing Zach Eadie kind of upset about it because in my my head, cage, I'm thinking he's gonna block that because of how big Zach Eadie is because he was switching into a guard, so he's gonna put a foot on this kid, on this guy, and he sees Zach Eadie walking behind him like a dad chasing his kid through a mall. <laughs> so I I'm just thinking and he's gonna he's gonna set that thing into he's gonna smash that thing into the stratosphere. But and then as you mentioned, Nikki Alexander Walker did get that foul. You just jogged my memory, Cajun. Thank you. But, oh, true. but no, like you know, there are positives from this tournament, you know, as the Sportsnet team continue to say, I don't know if it's their, their ratings or whatnot, but you know, that no matter what happens, Cage, they could lose today, which they did, and lose tomorrow, or not tomorrow, Sunday, and they still will finish the best place they've ever finished at a World Cup. Like, they're already guaranteed their best finish ever. Regardless of the result against the Americans on Sunday.
1: Mm-hmm. It just show. It just goes to show you that um, if they're playing this well now, without much of a tune-up, To the FIBA World Cup. Just imagine if there's more time and effort being put into the Canadian men's national program. And it's all systems go heading into Paris. Now it might be easier said than done because obviously some of these guys they got NBA they got the NBA season to play. But. They put more focus in, that, um, and given that they qualify for the first time in like 23 years since 2000, it is going to be all systems go because what we saw today was proof of what a FIBA and Olympic powerhouse looks like, and this was without and this was without Nikola Jokic on the floor. Canada, that's that's the standard and expectation that Canada's got to reach.
0: And we're already close to expecting it, Cage. And the other thing I do want to mention here, again, we've mentioned it a couple times throughout this, Nikola Jokic was not there for Serbia, but Jamal Murray wasn't there for Canada. And if Jamal Murray would have been playing for Canada, you know, if SGA gets three fouls, then they have Jamal Murray running the offense. And I don't think there's going to be any, you know, lack of offensive bite from those two. You know what I mean? So as much as, obviously, if the best player in the world, Nikola Jokic, is playing for Serbia, they're going to be a hell of a lot better team. Mm. But if Jamal Murray is playing for Canada, you know, I could argue the same thing. They add different things, but... It's the same it's the same you know, it's the same reality.
1: I think in that situation it also like amplifies Canada's problem that they have.
0: Oh yeah. Oh lord. Lack of inside presence. See, but I and then but then and but that that, that makes you wonder though, Cajun, because of Jokic's style, because he plays at the perimeter so much. And I'm not saying Nikola Jokic is a bad post player. I think Nikola Jokic is a really good post player. That's just not his main ability. Right? That is not what he that's not his main that's not his main trait. So that's a side dish to his main course. Unlike most big men were the main dish is their post up game. You know, if you're yeah, the you're, if you're, if you're, if you're the diesel, it's the it's, the, it's the it's the main course and the sides.
1: His side dish is a lot of is a is a lot of players' main courses.
0: Well, yeah, that's why he's the best player in the world, Cajun. There you go. But um, to now skip over from the first losers today, we'll go to the second losers, the United States of For America. Huh? Health. Whoa, whoa, hey, hey, hey. We're not going to make fun of the boys down south. Okay, Cajun, we're going to keep this respectful with Canadians, eh? Okay, we're not going to bully the Americans. They lost two, in fairness. They now have two losses. The Germans are 7-0. Oh. Yeah, that's right, baby. And oh. As they go into the gold the World Cup game, the gold medal match against the Serbians. But the United States, they lose by two, one thirteen, one eleven. And now they have a bronze medal matchup against Canada at four forty five AM. Oh man. Not four forty five AM. Bright and early, but before the Roosters are even up. Before the birds are chirping. Oh, but, man. you know, Cage, Before you, you watched the game. I didn't. I, I had no interest in watching the Americans play after I saw Canada lose. But um, I'll quickly get your thoughts, Cage. What did you make of the game between the Americans and the Germans? See, it was a high-scoring game. See, Very. It,
1: was a high, it was a high-scoring first half. It was a high-scoring first half. And the way it was going, it was a game of runs. Germany made their runs. USA made their runs. But you would think if USA goes on a big run, it's GG's from there. But then I saw the score 60 to 59 USA at the half. I'm like, with a T. And mind you, the USA didn't send out their best players. Case in point, LeBron and KD aren't there. But the fact that it was a one point game. And with the amount of pressure that USA has, especially since they finished, I believe it was seventh at the last at the last World Cup in 2019. That's a ton of pressure. Germany's playing with house money at that point. And then all of a sudden with a young team like that, with, with a young team that they have, and the fact that, um, like you mentioned before, they play as, it's more so you watch, they, they got talent, but they more so play as individuals than as a team. Germany plays as a team. And it showed in that third quarter when they outscored them 35 to 24, and that was basically, the, and that was basically the difference in the game. Um, Andreas Obst really killed them from behind the arc and hit a big three late in that game when USA was trying to make their run. Dennis Schroeder finally had a good shooting game after going four for 26 against Latvia and really took over down the stretch. Franz Wagner had a good first half. He had 22 points. And y'all really led Celtics led, And they really led Celtics legend. Celtics legend Daniel Tice go off. He was ten of fifteen from the floor, and and this is where you and this is where like a team of individuals and like them not pl- and the Amer- North American players not playing, refusing to play as support players showed. Because look at Jaron Jackson Jr. The defend the reigning defensive player of the year got absolutely cooked by Tice. and Wagner and every and and on drives too. It was base it basically turned into one on one iso play with either Ant Anthony Edwards Jalen Brunson had a bit of bit of that in the fo- bit of that in the fourth and then Austin Reeves. And then Mikel Bridges. Brandon Ingram didn't even play. And you would think with a big, with a big like Walker Kessler, you could play him for Spurs and keep keep Germany honest on the inside. But no, that didn't happen either. So, And you mentioned this. And you mentioned this before we started Before we started this, you were kind of surprised that Germany beat USA. Quite frankly, I wasn't. Based off of the fact that we've seen Canada, we've seen Germany play against Canada, and both those games went down to the wire. Germany won. They split. They split the two games. USA plays like played like a bunch of individuals. And that sort of patriot patriotism, patri- patriotism that you saw from like the Dream Team or even the Redeem Team, in like 2012, 2016, that's not that's not there with the Americans, or even with the North, or even North America. It, it, this team seemed like a bunch of mismatched place pieces who are talented on paper, but don't mesh well together as a team like other like they should. Germany played like a team. USA didn't, and that and that showed.
0: Yeah, the Americans finished seventh at the last World Cup. They lost in the quarterfinals to France, who ended up getting third in 2019 um but now on to something you wrote down in the doc and I kind of want to know where you're, where you're going with this cage Noah Lyles we talked about a couple weeks ago said talked about how the how you know they, they say the NBA champion are the world champions even though they don't play the world so they're more like national champions and you know yada 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 you know, you you put in the doc. You know, was he right all along? What What do you mean by that, Cage? Do you, do you, are you starting to think that Noah Lyles on to something? In a way, he might be. Because let me explain this. Let, let, me, yeah, let, l- me, l- let me let me let let me let you break it down.
1: Let me let me say this. Technically, we we agreed on this. Technically, he's not wrong. But there's a difference between. But the NBA is the best basketball league in the world, by far, not even close. We can get that out the way right now. But in terms of world basketball, in terms of Olympic basketball, in terms of FIBA basketball, it's a stark difference from NBA basketball. And I kind of like FIBA basketball more in which they let you play. You can actually play defense. In the NBA, you breathe on someone and it's a foul. It's a different style of playing the NBA compared to FIBA. And I think, as we saw today, maybe it wouldn't have been the case if this was like the Dream Team or the Redeem Team era, but this generation of NBA players in America... Will is str- it is struggling against the world, and I think in terms of that, in terms of like FIBA basketball level, I think he's right. I think the world's starting to cat. I think they, I think they're not the world champions in that sort of sense because NBA basketball and FIBA basketball are two different things, and and I guess in that sense. And look at and look at the players in the NBA too. Look at the top players in the NBA. Giannis is from Greece. Jokic, the best player in the world right now, is a Serbian. Shadi gilgis Alexander, he's Canadian. Luka Doncic,
0: Slovenian. Joel Embiid is from Africa. Cameroonian. I can't remember exactly what country, so I just said Africa as a continent. It was close enough.
1: <laughs> Cameroonian, or. Although I don't know if he's playing for France or the USA right now, I'm not entirely sure about that.
0: Um, but, in, in fairness, you know what Victor Ramayama. most recent Ramayama, first overall France. pick, France,
1: France. Gobert, Gobert before
0: before teams could exploit him. I, I was I was gonna I was gonna say kid, I was gonna say Gobert first, and then I thought, that nah nah nah. Like basically went first. Oh come and, and then and then you know where I'm going with this one. You leave the dr out of this Cajun. You leave the dr <laughs> out of this. They don't even count. They don't even count. They don't even count. You don't even try that. God.
1: Well, I gotta say, I gotta say, I gotta say, regardless,
0: I won't even say his full name. Cat. There you go, Carl Anthony Towns. Just in case you didn't know.
1: But even going back, going going even back, going even back before Argentina, they had some great players. Luis Scola, who was on the floor for that for, for the for the semifinals as an ambassador.
0: Manu Ginobili, Tony Paul Parker, G- Gasol was there as an ambassador as well for Spain and his brother Marc Gasol. There you
1: go. There's been a there's been a ton of international talent. Now we're
0: seeing him more. I'm thinking even farther back, Cage. I was thinking you're going to go with Akeem on the Dream. Akeem, the Dream, Nigeria. Nigeria. Patrick Ewing, Jamaica. Those were the big ones. I'm not even thinking I can think of another.
1: Arbeas Sabonis, Lithuania.
0: Oh yes, yes, the original Sabonis, and he came over really late because obviously of the turmoil in uh in in um in Eastern Europe.
1: He wasn't the same player in the NBA, but still a heck of a player. There there's been a ton of international talent from time. Now it's just there's just a lot more of it because the game's gone global.
0: Because of players like Hakeem, because of players like even Patrick Ewing and then Page Stoyakovich and and Tony Kukoc and guys like that. And no I'm not say Tony Kukoc could lace any of these guys' shoes, but players making the leap over here and doing it when it wasn't safe now allows guys when it is safe to leave and is safe to come to North America and play ball. You know, it gives them a little more liberty.
1: Mm-hmm. But I think, I guess summing up why I think Noah Lyles is right is because maybe this is just me, but I'm looking at it in terms of FIBA basketball. because. I have my gripes with NBA with how the game of basketball is being played in the NBA. Especially like how you can't literally play you it's literally turned into a game. It's the game of basketball and the game of NBA basketball is literally turned into basically either layups or dunks or threes. There's no diversity offensively and defensively, you can't play defense.
0: Yeah, so what is
1: defense? Exactly. So in terms of the sense of FIBA, I think in terms of how players are sort of being sculpted and involved into, like especially from America or Canada growing up, I think it's hurt I think in terms of like the global sense of the game, in terms of like the FIBA sense, it's hurt them. It's hurt so, them. So like when so say when they when they do play in the FIBA World Cup or the Olympics now the talents like Duran and LeBron who play old school they can get away with that but the current climate of basketball in ter- and especially in terms of like AAU style it's hurt this current generation of American and Canadian of like North American players and when they go play in the FI- in the FIBA in the FIBA games they're not used to it they get bullied if you will they get bullied by, and when they see, when they see Nate and when they see names that go off against them, they're like, who, but it's just like, they not built, they, they not sculpted and evolved into the same toughness that Americans had growing up in the nineties or two thousands. I can't believe I'm saying the good old days, but that's basically what it is. And I'm in, and in that sense, I think Lo Noir is onto something.
0: And I will say and this, and this is usually why it happens: is it's an overcorrection because the early 2000s and the 90s were so like grinding halt basketball that it was hurting the game. At least it was believed to be hurting the game. So they tried to change the rules to make the game more open and more offensive. But in doing that, they've gone the complete other way did a complete 180, and now all of a sudden we're in this game now where you can't even really play defense. The offense has all of the tools. The defense has none of them. And the principles that you and I would have been taught as kids are not the principles now because you can't do them anymore. And I'm not uh, even trying to say hand check or whatever, but it's like, you know... You remember doing certain things, you know, and then you, you do them and you're like, wait, that's a foul now. How, how is that a foul? Oh, OK, I guess so. Yeah. And that's where I hope that one day and I don't expect this day to come anytime soon is FIFA and the NBA can come to an agreement on a set of rules, a universal rule set. And yes, it's going to be almost impossible. And yes, no one's going to want to follow them because who does? But it'd be nice to have some set of rules that everybody abides by so there's no confusion so fans that wouldn't know FIBA doesn't play by the NBA rules doesn't watch a FIBA game and go what's going on why are they playing te- four 10-minute quarters instead of four 12s or two halves like they do in college ball why is it five fouls instead of six right how many timeouts mm-hmm. did each team have I'm still confused how many timeouts each team have to be honest with you I've, I've never checked and don't really know I just know if each team has at least four, maybe five timeouts. Yeah, man, have uh, my- like seven. But genuinely, I've enjoyed
1: watching FIBA basketball a lot more because, like, it forces you to to have strategy. It forces you to it forces you to have strategy. It forces you to think instead of letting athleticism take over and just try to flop your way, bait, bait, foul bait or flop your way into a foul.
0: Well, that, and it forces players that would not have value to have value. Like, guys like Dylan Brooks and Lou Dort have exponentially more value in the FIBA game than they do the NBA game. Why? Because their defensive effort actually matters. There you go. They can actually hassle you and make you work for your baskets. It's like, now where they'll breathe on you and they'll call the foul and they go, well, now I got four and I got to sit for the next Two quarters. Yep. So in fairness, Cajun, I agree with you wholeheartedly that the FIBA rule set is way better for spectator ball. I'm not sure if the players appreciate it or not, but I think the European players definitely do. And I'm not sure if the North American players do or not. And I don't really think it matters if they do or not, because I think you and I have illustrated enough that they're they're soft and that they're going to be soft. They're going to get softer because of the way they teach the game now. And the way the game is going especially and i think that's why i think Noah Laz is right because like are
1: they really the world champions in terms of playing that style of basketball that's absolutely soft and isn't and has the defense and has nba defenses at a disadvantage is it like like I'm comparing, I'm comparing styles of basketball because, like, with FIBA, with FIBA basketball, the USA, the USA, and it was, and it's not just this game. Lithuania, they got bullied. Even Montenegro, they were they were in close with Montenegro, and I think in that sense, the world is catching up in terms of talent level, in terms of like how the game in my opinion, should be played. The world's catching up. The talent level is finally starting to get there, and the fundamentals have always... And the fundamentals are always in favor of the world, in my opinion.
0: Well, Cage, a good way to explain it, and something that some people don't seem to get until you, you explain it to them at a real molecular level, but sports... Is popular in certain places. Like cricket means nothing on this side of the pond. You go to England, it means something. You know, you go to Serbia, it doesn't mean anything. You go to India, it's massive. You go to Australia, it's massive. Same thing with rugby. Australia, England,
1: you New know, Zealand. New
0: Zealand. Same thing. Here in Canada, it's hockey. The Americans are now building their way up to it. Obviously, the Scandinavian countries and Russia. You know, but. The English, they still call it ice hockey because they have field hockey there and actually play at a relatively high level. Mm -hmm. But when you have more sports taking your top athletes, there won't be as many great basketball players playing for the U.S. Because we're playing football or soccer or hockey or other sports. Yep. That, you know, so it's, again, divvying up your top tier athletes for all these other sports. So basketball right now just can't compete. Just can't compete. And all these European countries are now getting to basketball, getting to hockey. So they're catching up, and they're not catching up slowly. They're catching up fast. Yep. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see some really big leaps from the European countries in the next 5 to 10, maybe 15, 20 years.
1: And don't be surprised if we see a big leap from Africa eventually. Oh, it's coming. It's coming. Maybe not, maybe not within the next two years, but say five, ten, fifteen years, that leaps coming. And then it'll be even more difficult for i'm I will say the United States To kind of hold people hold hold countries off in terms of the basketball level, because even now, Canada's starting to pick things up in such a short amount of time, too. So, it's great for the game. It's great for the game. And dare I say it, Noah, we might have to owe Noah allows an apology.
0: No, we don't. No, we don't. No, we don't. No, no, we don't. Okay. What he said was dumb. Just because you and I like the feeble rule set does not necessarily mean that the best players in the world don't play in the NBA. Doesn't mean it the best team in the world doesn't play in the NBA. Doesn't mean any of that. Doesn't mean any of that. I, I will hope- concede to you that the FIBA rule sets better. I will concede you. I prefer the FIBA games over the NBA games, but I'm not gonna try to concede you that an, a, a Europe a Euro League team would beat an NBA team. Jesus, even oh, really? by the FIBA rule set.
1: Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> But I will I will end off on this note. America Amer- America's being worried about being world champions. They might not even be the North American champions come Sunday morning.
0: They might not be, and as long as my Wi-Fi doesn't decide to blow up on me again, you and I will be doing that game live, I hope, as long as you're willing to wake up at four forty five with me. Uh, I might not even sleep. Um uh, me neither. <laughs> so uh, we'll see we'll see when that gets through. But to uh, something else, Cajun, for the first time in a while, I'm not going to end with the Scrabble board. We're going to do it right now. And I got a good segue of why. So, again, if you didn't know, Scrabble board is because of Cajun's 17 character long last name in Ruth, Danny Castlem is such a tongue twister for some, usually of the white variety, which I do happen to be.
1: Yeah, but you uh, you say better than a, better than even people of color.
0: Yeah, it, I I actually got that from another guy who happens to uh, have some heritage of 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 your uh, I'll say of your lineage. He has some of the same types. I see he's had Sri Lankan as well, and um, I, it was kind of funny when I said your last name so easily, and they both they he and um, my landlord's daughter, which is his girlfriend technically. Uh, they both looked at me like completely shocked that I said your last name, like easily without a hitch or anything. So that was kind of fun. <laughs> but anyway, so the, reason why, yeah, so the reason why we call it the Scrabble boards is because of Cajun's very, very long name. And I said my favorite Scrabble board name in theory with Danny Castle. It's
1: a, it's a winner if you're playing like, Scrabble.
0: It, it, it's a winner. It's an easy winner. So Cajun, are right, you ready? I got three names for you. Oh, you got three? All right. Let's get into it. VCO. B-A-G-N-D-O-I. Bogdan Bogdanovic? Bogdan Bogdanovic, the absolute Serbian stud that led the way for Serbia today and got them their win over Team Canada in the gold or in the semifinal to send them to the gold medal to the World Cup final. All right. Number two. Now, this one's a doozy, Cajun. Okay. You ready? Okay. ODWO. Christian Wood? Huh? Christian Wood? Christian Wood. Signed with the Lakers. Is one of the new signees as of late. Christian (coughs) Wood going to the LA Lakers. And the last one. A I R T S U A. I'm gonna need a clue for this one. WNBA legend.
1: Wow! As soon as you said that, Diana Taurasi. And I guess you can explain why this was ma- uh, this
0: name was mentioned. And you would be right it is Diana Taurasi. And the reason why she is in the Scrabble board today and the reason why she's even last, which was not intentional, by the way, on my part, it just happened to go that way. And once I realized that, my brain went, well, it's a good segue, so I might as well use it. She was the leading three points in a season leader, so the the most three-pointers ever made in a single season. She was the record holder at 121 threes back in 06. That record has been already broken this season, and it was broken technically yesterday, but the article was written this morning, just before Canada played, ironically, and it was broken by no other than three Point champion herself, the Steph Curry, the Steph Curry call outer, Sabrina Inescu. The three-point king has now gotten the single season crown already, and she's still got games in hand, Cajun. She still got she's still got chances to add on to it. Yeah. She ain't done. She ain't done. So let's seven. see how high she can get this, Cajun. Cause she already is broken. Again, it was one twenty one. It is now one twenty-four as of last night. And it will continue to grow with the last games of the Liberty season.
1: Yep. And as she said, that it's an honor to like to me- to be mentioned as a record holder that involves the, arguably the greatest basketball, the greatest WNBA player, maybe of all time. <laughs> and Liberty head coach, Sandra B- Brondello, keep in mind this name. She also coached the Phoenix Mercury back when Taurasi was playing, I believe from four twenty, 20 and I'm looking at this right now, 2014 to 2021. So the fact that the Liberty head uh, Brondello is saying is saying that UNESCO is like is like a little Diana the way her game is developing. That's high praise. That's that is high praise and it hasn't also it it's been a record breaking week for the Liberty. Because in their previous game, Brianna Brianna Stewart, and I'm looking at this right now, she broke the, sing, the league single-season scoring record in their 94-93 win over the Dallas Wings. So there's a ton of history happening this WNBA season, and quite frankly, and we've raved about how the game of women's basketball has grown. This just adds another layer to it.
0: Do you quickly want to mention they have one more game due to the New York Liberty. They play against Washington on Sunday. Now with the Liberty being so close to a, I'm not going to say falling Las Vegas Aces, but they definitely have had a rough patch as they lost two games in a row to that Washington Mystics team and the New York Liberty not too long ago, Cage. The Liberty are within striking distance of the Aces now for the number one seed in all of the WNBA. Yep.
1: But they also play the Phoenix Mercury back-to-back times.
0: Do the Aces. So you would expect they'd get both wins. But, I mean, they've struggled, you know, with that D.C. team. They also lost to the Sparks recently. Right? So they've kind of struggled against bad teams, so maybe they lose one of the Mercury, and if Liberty win their la- win their last game, they'll be tied. Head-to-head might go to the Liberty, right? They, get, they really need those two wins. Do they have the aces to get the number one seed in all of the WNBA? Liberty do ha- have the head-to-head edge? Well, I'm seeing two losses here to Liberty in the last couple of weeks, so I would say either they're tied at 2-2 or it is in favor of New York. I can just see two losses right now out of their six that are going to the Liberty. Now, I do see a win there against the Liberty as well in this litany of schedule, and then see another win against, so it might be a 2-2 split, so then I don't even know what the third tiebreaker would be, if it's point differential or, or what have you. But the Vegas, Las Vegas Aces really need those two wins against the Mercury to end their season. They
1: do, but at the same time, they know what it takes to
0: win it all now. Um... See, Cage, I gotta be honest here, and this is something I just agree with you on a little bit. And I, and I wanna, I wanna kind of jab you here with this one. You can run with the baton. Okay. Is you talk about a lot how teams, you know, know how to win now, and they, you know, they can kind of take their foot off the gas in the regular season because they know what it takes to win in the playoffs. And I, I don't disagree with you. The experience is important. But I do think it is easier to be the challenger trying to take the championship than the team trying to maintain. Because when you're the top dog, what are you trying to get better for? Who is trying to find your competition when you're at the top, when you're at the mountain peak? When you're that team trying to climb up the mountain, everybody is a challenge. Everybody. You're trying to give it to everybody. You don't look yep. past teams because you're still trying to make it to the peak, unlike the team already at the peak who's trying to fall down the mountain. So I personally feel like a team challenging for the title almost has an edge over the team defending the title because of the I'll say lack I'll say lack of experience, but more just the the lack of you know the lack of being able to you know work up to your opponent versus play down to your opponent if you know what I mean.
1: And you know what? It's a fair point. It's a fair point because um, that hunger in the challenger is there. Not so much as like the top duck. Unless you're trying to build the dynasty, then that's a different story. But for the most part, that's not always the case. Some teams that reach the top, like we've been there, okay, let's chill for a bit. But you make a good point in like in that the challenger has all that motivation to try to unseat uh, to dethrone the top dog. And that's sort of the case with like the Liberty and the Aces. With Liberty to the Aces. So, I see your point. I see your point, and I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree in that sort of sense. And with single game, and, and but I guess in terms of like the aces co- aces case. I don't think that's going to affect them, though, until they play the Liberty. Because right now, looking at it, they're those are the top two teams in, in the WNBA, and they're poised for a crash, a collision course in the WNBA Finals.
0: They're almost destined, Cajun.
1: They're, they're almost destined.
0: Maybe a team like Connecticut could get in the way of that. But we'll have to see to find out. Yeah. But
1: I guess going, in, like making it to the finals, they've been there and done that. So I don't think, and I think based off of the structure that the WNBA is at right now, like I don't think that's going to be a problem for the Aces. Now, would it be ideal to get home, home court advantage? Yeah. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day you are like the best the best team also knows how to win on the road too so you got to be prepared for both
0: you definitely have to be prepared depending on who does get that top seed to see I assume who will not have to face Connecticut in the conference final as they will definitely be the three the third wheel of those top 3 teams but Cajun, you gave me two last topics here that are kind of hypotheticals. So I'm going to take one of them. We'll take the yep. other one next week, and then we'll figure out what's going on. Because, again, because the World Cup's about to end, which we have been doing a lot of content on, and the NBA season is getting closer, but it still feels so far away to me. It feels, you know, it doesn't feel close. I know it is rather close, but football season just started. Hockey season feels like it's getting closer. Basketball season's a little bit behind hockey. Baseball's almost over, so give it you know two or three more weeks, and I feel like basketball will be like right there in speaking you know football, in my mind.
1: We, speaking of football, we're playing each other in fantasy, and these and the Chiefs receivers just cheesed me.
0: Yeah, yeah. Ironically, we'll just give you a quick update on our fantasy teams. So Cajun is a it, it drafted Patrick Mahomes, who's the quarterback for the uh. For the Kansas City Chiefs, and uh, he did not necessarily play well. He he didn't necessarily play well, but uh, Cajun didn't know till about two hours before the game started that his best weapon was not going to play. So that must have made Cajun very happy, didn't it, Cage? Uh,
1: that's uh, <laughs> it,
0: it. made you very happy, didn't it? Oh yes, very.
1: That's uh, Kadarius Tony. Don't ever, don't ever talk to me about that
0: name. Oh, you know, like Kadarius dro- Kateri- Tony's drop?
1: Ball right. went right off
0: his hands into the in, into the rookie Brian Branch's hands.
1: And led to an interception for Patrick pick Mahomes. Six. In, pick in six. which it shouldn't have been an interception had he not had Butterfingers.
0: Pick six, Brian Branch, baby. Rookie pick six. That's all I got to say, Cage. And the Lions win week one over the, the reigning champions. The reigning world champions, ironically, Noah Lyles. The reigning world champions, the Kansas City Chiefs. So I guess hey. I guess the way I can tie it in. Oh man. But well, before we get too blocked on our fantasy football matchup this week, Cage, and when my team destroys your team on Sunday, you know, before that. If quickly... they don't,
1: if I end up winning that, that's a problem for you. Oh, no, it's not really. You have Patrick
0: Mahomes, dog. Yeah. Yeah, I've never
1: played <laughs> and, 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 football
0: and, in my life. And George Kittle might not play, which might upset me as a Niners fan. But anyway, again, we'll we'll argue about this on Sunday before the Canada versus America game at four forty-five a.m. When you're turned on caffeine. But the last thing I'm going to talk about here is an interesting is an interesting question. We've talked about it a lot, but still nothing's happened. It's trade candidates? Yep. Because. Damian Lillard is still out there. James Harden is still out there as the two big fish. Is Siakam or OG going to move in Toronto? You know, are there other guys that may get moved that we aren't thinking may get moved? Like, does Tyler Hero get traded because of Harden and or Lillard? Does Joel Embiid leave Philly? Because if Harden leaves, is that team really going to be able to compete? Mm -hmm. Right? Like, a lot of dominoes could happen, Cage. Who do you see as the top trade candidates? I'll say top five or top three trade candidates coming into the season in a couple months.
1: Well, two of them have to be Lillard and Harden. Um, Well, well, don't try to convince me, (laughs) Cage. But for the third one, the third one in terms of like a superstar? Hmm. This is tough. Now you're going to call me crazy for suggesting this. For saying this. But maybe, just maybe, if this backcourt partnership does not work out this this upcoming season.
0: Trey Young. Ooh, you're thinking Atlanta moves off Trey Young?
1: Well, there was talk about it during heading into last postseason.
0: I don't know.
1: And Nate McMillan got let go middle mid-season. And if they struggle to the same degree that they do last season. Fingers are going to be pointing at Trey Young based off of, don't get me wrong, hell of a town offensively. But defensively, doesn't cut it. And I wonder if there's another season like this, if there's another season like the previous two. Makes you wonder in order to solidify maybe not solidify but like prolong prolong their contention window would they be better off moving Trey Young for better fitting pieces I think Atlanta's in that situation where I think Trey Young is that third candidate that could be moved because they're they're in a precarious position.
0: What do you think? You're, I mean, you're you're definitely right there. You know that the the Hawks are kind of in that that mediocrity ground that no team likes to be in because you don't no no one sees them as a title contender. But nobody sees them as a lottery team either. Like, they're kind of that, like, awful middle ground of, like, maybe play in, maybe a seed if they're lucky, if everything falls right. But I'll be honest, you know, I don't – I think star kind of gets you in trouble because who really are stars in the NBA? Like, true stars. They're not very many, and most teams who have one don't trade them unless they're guys like Kevin Durant who just kind of go on a new team every three years. Yeah. But other, of course, than Harden and Lillard, who are 1A and 1B, I think Lillard is the better option, but they've both got injury histories, you know, they both want out, they both play basically the same position in point guard, technically. We'll see, you know, which one of those go, if either of them go before the season starts in about a month and a half, So October 24th will be the first day of the NBA, but... Another name that I think genuinely could get dealt is Chicago. Oh, I think say, Levine. DeRozan or Vucevic? Yeah, Levine, DeFrozen, DeMar DeRozan, or Vucevic. DeFrosted? Yeah, he ain't DeFrosted. He's still frozen. I don't know, man. I don't know, man. I, not, I, not- I could see Chicago blowing it up after missing the playoffs last year, and you don't expect they're going to get any better. Um. I wonder if the Pelicans might look at blow, might making a move because Zion obviously is a walking band aid. I love Brandon Ingram, but you know, is he going to be a, a pencil, uh, a pencil like a, a pencil mover, you know, and a pencil pusher? Of,
1: and, on this, of, and on top of the Pelicans having injury rules now, Trey Murphy, the third, apparently has a partially torn meniscus.
0: So no, he will be done for some of the year at least For a couple of months. Right. And um, you then look at another guy on that team, such a McCollum to see one out because the team is not making progressions, making strides in that very deep, very good Western conference Do the Timberwolves, you know, blow it up again.
1: You I know, wouldn't with Go- think
0: I would with not bear cat and, and, and ant, even though I think ant could be a great player, you know, as Cat reached his ceiling, Gobert obviously is what he is. You know, you got to wonder about that. I think the Clippers, for me, are always an interesting team because of Kawhi Leonard being, at this point, a walking Band-Aid. And PG, Paul George, as much as I think is a great player, he, you know, has his problems with injuries. And they're a deep team, you know? So they're a team where you look at, like, hey, if they move couple of their pieces around to get a really good player that can stay healthy, you know, maybe they can make a real run at it. Instead of having these guys who play thirty games and then get hurt in the first round and they make it to the second round, but go get get any further things with only stars. hmm they can't compete with the Suns or the you know, the Suns or the Warriors or Memphis or whoever, the Nuggets, you know, whoever. Yep. So, you know, those are the kind of teams I'm looking at. And another team, Cage, honestly, that another name that I don't believe would get traded this year. I think he's going to be where he is now for at least one more season. But I wouldn't doubt within the next two to three years if this team does not make it out, at least of the second round and make it to the conference finals, that he won't want out. It's in Dallas. And okay. it's Kyrie Irving. I think Kyrie Irving in one or two years is going to force his way out of Dallas. Because I think Mark Cuban is going to do everything in his power to keep Luka Doncic there. Everything in his power. And I think that might that that might ego to ego come to a point where by Kyrie's got to go. But even if it doesn't, Kyrie has a reputation as being a very difficult player. And I'm not trying to say he is or he isn't i don't know him i don't act like i know him all i know is is every organization that's had him has traded him and yes the Cavs regret that move yes they do but that does not change the fact that he went to boston and then didn't want to be in boston i'm trying to think of where he went right after that was that brooklyn yeah no what sorry it was brooklyn it was brooklyn after boston then he goes to brooklyn doesn't want to be in Brooklyn after the fiasco with the COVID, with the COVID vaccine and stuff. He doesn't want to be in Brooklyn. He gets traded out of Brooklyn, now to, um, to Dallas. Like he, you know, has done this serially. He doesn't want to be in any spot for a very long time. And if Dallas is finally the place he does it, that, may, that I'm overjoyed for him. But he has to prove it to me first. I got to see him commit. Truly commit to the organization, which he hasn't since he was a Cav when he was a kid getting drafted at a Duke. So I would not be surprised if a year or two, when he has one year left on his deal, that he leaves Dallas and goes somewhere else. If it's to L.A. with Braun in his 42nd-year-old season, or if it's you know back to the East, to a younger team that needs a vet, or... You know, if it's just the Warriors you have a 38-year-old Steph Curry looking for something, I don't really know. You know, but I doubt that Kyrie Irving is Dallas Maverick by, say, 2025-26. I doubt he's in Dallas Maverick by 2025-26. Fair enough. I do have one bold prediction,
1: and this does not have to do with trade candidates. Okay. Well, I think hear- LeBron retires by the end of this this upcoming season.
0: You think he's done by the end of this season? Yep. Now, why do you think that? Well,
1: I didn't, and it's not because of the retirement talk right after the Western Conference Finals. It's what happened to Bronny. i all know. this talk about Bronny joining the league to play to play with his dad to play with his dad. Many you had that, had that cardiac arrest uh, while working out with us us US, usc that's effectively dead in the water for now and for lebron it makes you wonder like uh, let me focus on family full time now granted he's gonna have his businesses and all like he's a businessman and all but coming off of that scare I think might drive him into retirement for me because, and, and it'll be even more apparent because say, what if the Lakers get that fifth? What what if he gets that fifth ring? Then what does, then mind you anything about the GOAT debate talk and all, what does he have left to prove? Doesn't mean really have anything left to prove after that. That's one thing, but and I th- I th- I think his. I think what happened to Bronny Is going to drive him to is going to drive him closer to his family and eventually into retirement, and I think it'll happen sooner than later. As maybe as soon as this season.
0: C Cage, I agree with you. I I see your point. My prediction off of that is I if he retires after this season, which I'm. 75, 25, 70, 20, 75% saying no, he will not retire. 25% saying, yeah, he might for all the reasons you just said. If he retires after this season, I think he retires until Bronny comes in the league and then he signs like a league min deal for one year to play with Bronny for his first year. I think LeBron would do that. I think with the Raw, would we'll pull a Brady, would we'll pull a Favre for NFL quarterbacks, examples, because they're the worst for it. For retiring, it's like, eh, hey, I'm back. Like, I would not doubt that LeBron would do that. Or what Michael did with, with the Wizards, Michael see, Jordan. See, I would agree with you, but now, I, now I'm now i not
1: so sure. I would have agreed with you before all that happened, but now I'm not so sure because I think in that sense, if, Bron- if Bronny makes a comeback of sorts in terms of basketball, I'd be overjoyed. But I think in that sense, and I think and I think and I and, and and maybe LeBron's on the same wavelength as I am right now in terms of this in terms of this, in terms of this thought process, let LeBron let Bronny make his own legacy. And I think him signing for a year is kind of like gonna put that on pause for a year. Given what he went through. Given given what he went through, I don't I think LeBron steps away from his son's potential legacy and it's like here, go be great. And I'll just watch from afar.
0: Well, I guess we'll have to see if that's the way this goes. And obviously we'll have to see if Bronny James plays for USC this season and if he does, how good he plays for USC, then NC is draft position and a lot of dominoes, but at this point, at first is, as he is making making his recovery, if basketball is in that future, which again, I think we all expect it is, and then how well he will play at USC at the next level. And that's still a big if. That's still a big if. But to end it off with this, occasion, just before we go, I mentioned a couple weeks ago that Kansas and Illinois were fu- uh, having a... Having a uh, Team versus team scrimmage that they were televising to fund the Maui Wildfire Fund. Uh, I forgot to mention it last week, but Michigan State and Tennessee having an exhibition game, they're doing the same thing. They are, you know, televising it and sending all the money to the Maui Wildfire Charity. And as of yesterday, the Maui Invitational, one of the best preseason tournaments in all of college basketball, is holding, will hold an online auction to assist wildfire relief so, at least college basketball is trying its best to make a positive impact in what's happening in Hawaii with the wildfires, which I know you and I, Cajun, can commend that type of uh, sentiment. Absolutely. I just wish it happened. It
1: happened. It happens in a lot more than just college basketball, and like across like Big Four leagues too. But one can
0: only hope. One can only hope, but that'll be it here for us. For Cajun Thiru, Thani, Kasselam, I'm Spencer Byers. Thank you so much for taking us in. Polar Opposites, do stay tuned. Sunday, 4.45 a.m., live quarter updates of our live reactions to Canada versus the United States of America in the bronze medal game at the FIBA World Cup 2023 in Japan, the Philippines, and Indonesia. See you on Sunday from The Outrage, Inc.